0: They say when a city dies, it never goes peacefully in its sleep. Living on the streets of a dump like Pinnacle City, there's only two things to keep you going. A pack of cigarettes and the feeling that there's more to life than this. There was something rotten in that old hospital.
1: Sure, I was following my instincts that night, but those instincts got my partner and all those people killed. Nothing but an insanity defense. They threw the book at me.
0: Now, my private eye, barely scraping by on the wrong side of town, until a strange client knocked on my door. This case could uncover the truth and clear my name once and for all.
1: Pixel Noir. Out now, on Steam. Welcome to the Fat Games podcast. We are at episode one of season four, Blair.
2: I can't believe we're still doing it. And, and I think we're crazier on what we're doing with Kids of Dow as well. Especially after today's podcast.
1: I know. We are, uh, we talked to Sword Tech.
2: Sword Tech, we, we met with uh, one of the graphic artists for it, uh, and basically one of the designers, uh, Len, Len Stewart, and then there yeah, was Leo, about, uh... Leo, who was their programmer, Leo Riverin. What did you think of this podcast, Gary?
1: Oh, wow, it's very, it's very eye-opening. I really liked how they went into their whole experience of uh, launching their game, Pixel Noir. It's a lot of fun. It sounds
2: like, based on a podcast, that their inspiration came from a whole bunch of different places. So you're going to kind of get have a mixed... like It doesn't feel like... A a Chrono Trigger or a um a Lufia or or I don't know an Earthbound or anything like that. Um it feels like its own thing. Yeah, it's uh, a
1: it's a detective game.
2: It's a detective game. It uses isometric style artwork, um and sort of eight-bit chiptune style music. Um and the story is actually really compelling. And and that's usually what always gets me with a game. If it has, if it has a good story, I'll usually want to play it all the way through. And this game does. So I am definitely playing it all the way through because I actually want to know how it ends. That's awesome. What were your thoughts, Gary?
1: Yeah, it was pretty cool. It kind of reminded me of like uh, kind of detective games I played on the Nintendo. Uh, the specific one that comes to mind is called Deja Vu, where you're just trying to solve like the mystery and stuff. All
2: right, Interesting. I've
1: Yeah, I like it. Well, that game was more of a you know you, you see a single scene and there's like stuff on it and then you just kind of like move your your hand and just point at stuff to do something with that object i guess
2: mm. okay so like a point and click adventure game
1: exactly yeah
2: pixel noir is not that Not it's, it's
1: not that but it still has those detective elements which i like right
2: yep.
1: shall we yeah. get to it let's get to it
2: leo len welcome to the podcast you are the creators of Pixel Noir, which just launched on Steam. And that is pretty freaking exciting. So, Leo, Len, you are, okay, so you have to tell me how to pronounce the name of your company. Is it Sword Tech? Is that like the intent? SWD?
0: Yeah. Yeah, so, so Sword Tech, uh, that's like the, the abbreviation for the Final Fantasy VI uh, Cyan ability that we kind of like ganked as our, oh, uh, oh, you know, oh, shit, our, that's our so awesome. company name.
2: Yeah. Nice. Okay. That's cool. So you guys, as I just said, created Pixel Noir, um, but we'll start with your introductions. Why don't you tell us a little bit, a little bit about yourselves. Leo, do you want to go first?
3: Sure. Yeah. So I, uh, I do quite a bit of things um, besides being a game developer, which takes up a, a majority of my life besides uh, you know, day job, game developer, side job, game developer. Um, I also do Ninja Warrior, so I, I'm, I'm also an athlete. Um, actually, I, I have to, after this interview, I'm gonna be heading out to a competition, so that's gonna be pretty fun. Uh, I also play music, so I play drums, I play guitar, piano, and I sing too, um, I love karaoke. Um, what else? Oh man, there's a few other things I like dabbling into. Oh, I like cosplay too. Uh, I'm kind of all over the place. Um, sometimes I don't really know exactly how I kind of fit it all in uh, with the uh, with sleep, which have uh, kind <laughs> yeah, of been lacking. Kind of been lacking lately, just due to uh, you know all the support and everything that's been coming in from the game. But uh, but yeah, yeah, that's me. Len, how about you? Uh, pretty much. Uh, like for the last. 10 years
0: or so uh pixel art's kind of been my life you know i mean other than that i i you know i go to work i have a day job i'm a graphic designer for a refrigeration uh like industrial refrigeration company and um i have a girlfriend i have a dog i have parents that i take care of because they're aging out (laughs) and uh that's kind of that's kind of me that's it
2: well so how long have you guys been making games
3: yeah Uh for me, Uh, I've I've been in the industry uh let's see for more than 15 years. So pretty much right out of right out of high school, I've known exactly what I wanted to do for the rest of my life since like middle school. So I I feel like I've been in a pretty lucky position to uh, kind of fall into like being a, a game developer and a software engineer. Um I've taught myself programming in high school, so right after high school, I sort of had four years worth of like personal education in a way. And I sort of built up a portfolio. And so I started working as a software engineer right at 18. And then maybe like a year or so later, I got my first game development job. Um, so and ever since then, I've kind of been bouncing around in the gaming industry, doing various, various games, various apps on, on different platforms and everything. Um, and then I got into indie development maybe in 2013, I want to say. So even as an indie dev, a little bit more than 10 years now,
2: there is a lot of parallels yeah. uh, i would say between your story leo and probably what gary and i went through and, and len how about you
0: uh well i've been in the gaming industry probably since i was like 17 I, I worked on a little game called mercenaries of estonia and uh i did a lot of graphic design for them um it was it was kind of like uh kind of like pixel art graphics it, it was very much like isometric uh 3 renderings and stuff like that um and then uh you know, and then I went on to like do like other graphic design stuff for you know advertising companies and things like that. Um I went to college at uh, University of the Arts in Philly and I got an associate associate's degree in uh, graphic design. Um and I've just been doing really graphics and stuff like that, like basically as far back as I can remember. <laughs> um I I we I got um uh Involved with uh, SORTEC, me and my business partner, Canal, uh who also owns the company with me, um, we, we've been best friends since, like, we were in high school. And uh, we used to play uh, bands. all. The, we, we used to play in bands and jazz bands uh, that played all around uh, New Jersey. And um, and then, like, uh, probably about, like, 15 years ago, uh, me and him kind of, like, started up the, the SORTEC and Noir Venture, you know
2: i mean this all sounds really awesome guys uh it sounds very similar to what gary and i have have sort of gone through on our own journey um except i have no musical talent whatsoever so all the power to the three of you because there's that there's an area that i just absolutely suck at
1: well i don't know about that Blair. you've done okay for yourself
2: (laughs) i don't know about that gary (laughs) you you don't have to be nice it's fine (laughs) all right All right, so let's get into what this interview is about. Uh, Your new game, uh, Pixel Noir, that just launched. Tell me about what that development cycle was like. I mean, 12 years is a really long time for a single project. And when I first met you guys at MagFest um, and you told me that you were working on this game for 12 years, I kind of like saw a reflection of myself off you guys like, oh my God, it's going to take me 12 years to finish my game probably and i got a little scared at first to be honest but um anyway let's get into that and talk about sort of the the development cycle of, uh, development cycle yeah. of pixel noir
0: basically what happened was uh i, I met uh canal like me and canal like reconnected a- after a while uh, about 15 years ago and uh we met at like this at the end of like this house party thing that he played uh he, he was playing in a band with and, him and I had this conversation about starting up a game and I had a, like a concept in my head. It was like, oh man, you know, that's so cool. You know, I know a lot of, you know, music people in the gaming industry. So like, maybe we could use that. And that's kind of how we like started like planning and stuff. And then like the next like four or so years we were just trying to put together like a little team to kind of help like build this thing, you know? Uh, So um, in 2015, that's when we started, like, to really get things going into, uh, you know, because we put out a Kickstarter that failed in 2013 or 14. And then we, we launched another one in 2015 that succeeded. And um, uh, Leo joined us about, like, 2013. And um, he's been with us since. And um, that's kind of, like, how we started But, like, you know, the last 10 years, like, you know, since we were successful in the Kickstarter, there was a lot of, like, ups and downs that we had to kind of, kind of navigate through. I mean, we didn't really, like, me and Kanawha, I don't think we really knew anything as, like, actual game developers of, like, what the hell we were doing, at least for the, you know, the first, like, five years, you know? And and then, like, after that, we actually started, like, you know, getting better at certain things and kind of uh mitigating certain tasks and, and figuring things out and uh I feel like Leo's definitely been with us along the way for all those bumps in the road um but you know it, and plus we all have day jobs you know it's not okay. like we made this uh you know a 24-7 gig for all of us you know uh, I think we probably would have finished maybe four years ago <laughs> if, if that was the case um but uh yeah I mean you know that's that's just kind of like the the general scope of
2: so it started how started how out as a passion started, you know? passion project okay it it,
0: yeah it did absolutely and it's kind of still is you know it kind of is a passion project for. how we, we- you know it, it re- the concept really came out of like you know how come no one's really made like a detective rpg based in uh modern day you know that was really the 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 core idea, like you know, and they're they they do not really have too many modern day RPGs. You know, you got Earthbound, you might have like Shadow Run or whatever we get compared to nowadays. But uh it, it isn't anything to the point where like you actually have like um all these elements in a in a in a modern day ish RPG. You know?
2: Right. So why did why did you then decide to do this sort of like a, a detective RPG? Because I, I mean, I got a bunch of sort of weird, different vibes on sort of where this, the like, where maybe certain ins- inspirations came from. Like, I did not get like early 16 bit console game from this at all. I kind of got more like PC game from like the early days of, of when PCs were trying to do what like 8 bit and 16 bit consoles were doing. Um, well, uh,
0: I kind of think like it, it really just kind of came from uh, that a detective kind of lends itself to more of a modern day theme. And so taking that kind of genre and, you know, mixing it in with kind of a redemption arc kind of story, um, really kind of lended itself to what we were creating. Um, I hope that answers your question.
2: (laughs) Well, I guess, I guess in terms of the aesthetic and, uh, of the game, like isometric, um, 16 bit style uh pixel art uh but mm-hmm. and really sort of 8 bit style chiptune music. Yeah. So wh- um, where... well
0: it, yeah so what i was going to say too is um the 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 16 bit thing was like the thing that we were shooting for like it, it, my uh business partner you know he's always like make it like chrono trigger that's like his catchphrase for like literally the last decade we've been working on it. make it like chrono trigger make it like chrono trigger uh,
2: I think everyone says um, that for an indie RPG now, by the way.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I feel like they've been saying it probably for the last decade, too. Um, So, like, you know, and we took some elements from that. But I I also kind of, like, divulged into, like, my gaming library in my brain. You know, like, I've played many, 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 many RPGs. Going all the way to text adventures and um, with, like, uh, Return to Zork or um, like Monkey Island, the old Monkey oh, Island games.
2: Yeah. So like
0: I was always thinking about that. And um, and there were just a lot of like we- weirder, older elements that I really wanted to kind of throw into Pixel Noir, uh, but really have it more about a lot of the stuff that I grew up with in the Super Nintendo era as well.
2: So your ATB meter in combat though, that's kind of more like Grandia. Yeah, yeah, that's,
0: yeah, that's first game that that kinda takes that from one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That kind of takes from um just my experience with playing with uh PlayStation games. A lot of PlayStation games kinda use that, not just Grandia. I feel like other games use it. I just can't any titles off to the top of my head right now.
2: <laughs> Our game does. <laughs> cool. Yeah. it's, I mean, it's um, really nice i just so what was the uh the music and the sound inspiration from like why did we choose to go with that sort of eight-bit chiptune style uh, approach uh,
0: um well I, I mean it kind of lended itself to more of the style, graphical style that we were kind of going with you know um i, I know that canal is like re- he was and he's probably still is into chiptunes he was actually in the middle of um making a chip to an album and then he was just like, you know what, let me just use all this music for Pixel Noir. <laughs> so he, nice. he did that and, and and now we have like a, we have a sixty track soundtrack. And I think the reason why is because we have uh, overworld music as well as battle music kind of just as their own tracks, you know. And um, he he really loved doing the uh, the you know the eight bit chip style uh with a lot of uh you know kind of orchestral stuff you'll also notice like a lot of like synthy stuff behind uh, a lot of the music too so it wasn't just like the the chiptune stuff that he was into but he was really into composing you know and making like you know epic epic chiptune ish things out of it
1: you know that's pretty cool like 60s a lot
3: oh yeah
2: (laughs) yeah it's uh it's Basically, modern day, what you'd see in a triple uh, A title in terms of number of tracks.
3: Yeah, and that's because uh, every area in the game essentially has the world music, like the overworld music, coupled with the battle music. So every area, you know, they have their own unique world music. And then the battle music is kind of like a remix almost of the world music.
2: Right. Yeah. I, I noticed that actually as I've been playing through it. That's really freaking awesome. So some of the challenges you've faced during this. Now, you mentioned that in the first five years that um, you're working on it, you you struggled a lot sort of getting your processes figured out and and basically figured out what it's like to make a game. So let's talk a little bit more about that. Um, how many hours a week do you, would you say the team puts in and how big is your team?
0: Uh well we have a lot of like contract people who were like kind of in here and then they're gone you know right uh, but like we have a we have our core people too um it's me Leo canall are like kind of the head of the spear and then we got like other people who helped us put in uh, like you know different events and um wrote the story uh you know put in the environments for us. And um, they 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 are they're still on the team, you know, and, and, but they're like just kind of like a lesser degree as we kind of like went on, you know. Um, but they they were they've been building this since we started basically um, with us. Um, the, the the story end of it, um, you know, we we kind of contracted uh, someone who worked with um, uh, like the name right now oh yeah Cartoon Network <laughs> oh, really? um yeah and and she worked there for like, a lot uh a long time and not only that but then she you know she was also uh I think she knew Canall through something else that Canall did for like music and film because that's what he he has also a background in he, he was doing music for like film and stuff like that um mm-hmm. And they, they were talking about the project and that's how she kind of got on. And she wrote like an original whole script for us. And, oh, wow. and then I, and then I basically edited it over the years to what it is today. Um, but yeah, she was the original story writer for us. And, um, yeah, I mean, that, that whole thing was like crazy getting, the, you know, just getting that together. Um, it, it turned out to be like almost written like a movie script, you know? And that's actually really how, like, I loved how this came together. It, it came together more like a movie instead of like a tropey RPG, you know? And, um,
3: Yeah, so, so the dialogue basically...
2: is really well written. Uh, it does sort of give me a feeling that I'm watching a, a, a movie when I'm playing it in that respect. Yes.
0: Yeah. And, you know, to get back to the team too, like, uh, you know, we we have, I think, a total. I mean, for all the people who've worked with us, maybe like fifteen people, and then like maybe half of us are like core and still working on this today, and then and then that's it, I guess.
2: <laughs> and did you fund it all with the Kickstarter money, or have you guys been throwing in your own?
0: Uh, so when we first did our first Kickstarter, uh, and we totally failed at it. Um, we, we wanted like over a hundred thousand to create this whole project right. and, um, we launched it at PAX East, I think back in 2013 or 14 and, um, didn't do good. And then, so what we did was we made another one the following year for, you know, uh, only 60,000 and, uh, we, we got successfully funded. And uh then we kind of started from there to kind of like build out uh you know the the rest of our team like getting you know our our sprite artist was kind of just like doing it for fun, but then we started like paying him and he started making stuff for us and it, it, that turned out to be really great um we also commissioned um you know for the cutscenes that are the between the chapters in Pixel Noir we commissioned a... Uh, well, yeah. We, so we have two guys. We have um, a guy who kind of uh, did the like the cartoon art, like the uh, the comic book stuff. But yeah. then we also had someone who would take that and kind of animate it. And, and, and that is the kind of culmination that kind of made the the cut between the chapters. You know, um, we also had um, but we also got um, uh, two guys who were students. And they did like a lot of the implementa- initial implementation of like the, the events in the game and the environments that I was creating. I, I created all the environments in the game. Um, and then they would actually put it in and create the events that would go with uh, Gents or, you know, with, with the writer's story.
2: So, Leo, how has it been for you then? Uh, coming, you came in, with, in a few years after the project started.
3: Yeah, yeah, I think I came in after the first Kickstarter, like maybe pretty much immediately afterwards. Um, they actually had a previous programmer um, who I, I came into the project to sort of help out. And I was working on a different project that uh, we also had led um, help out with our game. So it was kind of like a swap type of thing. Um, and my game, my other game was being wrapped up and Pixel Noir's original programmer kind of left the project and I, and then I, I sort of fell into like being the main and, and only programmer actually. Um, so that's sort of uh, how I kind of became like the tech lead then. Um, and it's been, uh, yeah, it's been a lot of, lot of ups and downs. Um, I didn't really have too much indie dev experience at the time. So like 10 years ago, yeah, my programming experience was Of okay, uh, at least like looking back, Uh, there's definitely a lot of things I've learned since then. Um, I've never programmed an RPG before this, so like there's a lot of things in the data, especially like, especially in the data um, that like I had to learn the cinematics and the events that Len was just mentioning. um, There have been several iterations of like, how do we write this sort of tooling so that I'm not coding out every single animation, every single event, and 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 event trigger and everything. How can we put that in a sort of a tool that like everyone else can have access to be able to create and and manipulate and everything. And those tools have gone through several iterations. So there's like a cinematic sequence editor that's node based. So like each node is essentially an action. So there's like, you know, a dialogue action. There's a, this character moves to this location action. There's a turning action. There's a playing sound action. So like literally every single thing that happens in a cinematic, I had to make uh, an event for essentially. And then they would be able to take that tool and script out the entire cinematic. Um, And same from a higher level, there's a story plot editor essentially which sort of uses the same idea uh, of like a, a node based sort of editor, but on a higher level works on the changes that happen in the world. So like once this event triggers, what happens? Like all these NPCs, they now say something else there are certain blockers in the game that are no longer there. So we, we open up the world a little bit more. Um, and, uh, and yeah, for being able to balance this with my day job, that's been, uh, Oh my God, like lots of ups and downs for sure. Um, and yeah, like, like Len said, like if we didn't have day jobs, I, I definitely would have been done a lot sooner. Um, really? I, for, for me too, There have been times where like I I couldn't work on the game just because I had like deadlines at work, I, you know, was super stressed and like would have to work late hours, and wouldn't have the capacity to work on Pixel Noir for like a couple days, sometimes a couple weeks even. Um, So that's been uh, pretty tough to deal with throughout the entire project.
2: And on average, how much time did you guys put into it like on a weekly basis, then?
3: uh for me i mean that's a little hard to even estimate because like yeah i I would clock out of work maybe sometimes like 6 or 7 p.m uh and then from then on i would work on the game till like sometimes midnight sometimes like 3 a.m oh my god yeah and and sometimes it wouldn't be every day either uh you know but like yeah, from that those hours, you know that those do add up pretty quickly.
2: yeah, I mean, I don't know, I, I couldn't stay up to three and working on the game, like I, my brain would be mush like
1: by the time eleven p m. Was there even I... time in there for meals?
3: Yeah, yeah. so i I my meals are are uh, called soylent. I don't know if anyone's ever heard of that before. Oh, yep, yeah, yeah. So I've been living off of that for probably over ten years, definitely. and and I still live off of it now. I, I make my own recipe. Uh, I have the bottles now too so like my I I was turned on to the idea because of how it's marketed essentially is like if you live a busy life like all you gotta do is mix up this thing put it one cup in a uh, you know in a cup mix it with water and bam you got a whole meal (laughs) so I was like oh cool like that's pretty much ideal for my life and I've been living off of that since
2: does it taste good
3: It does actually. The, the recipe that I make, I stump- I randomly stumbled upon both Soylent as well as the recipe that I make in general uh, from the community page. There's like hundreds of recipes there. And the one that I make was, uh, it's tailored, like, like there's, there's tags that you can look for. So like there's like weight loss, there's vegan, there's, you know, uh, protein. And like, because like I said, like I, I'm an athlete. So like, I've always kind of been a my entire life. So I've always gone for like the high protein. Right. Uh, I'm vegan, too. So I've, I've that's one of my tags that, that I have on there. Um, there's, I think, a couple other ones that I can't remember now, but I think mine tastes like cookies. It, and every time, like, I feel like, oh, man, like, I've been drinking this for so long. Am I ever going to get sick of it? And I, like, I have my next meal, and I'm like, nah, this still tastes good.
1: <laughs> Are all your meals, really?
3: Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, sometimes I'll have, like, if I go out with friends, like, I'll have, like, you know, I'll, restaurant food and whatnot. Sometimes I'll have like at home, I I don't really cook anymore. Um, but like if I'm really feeling something, I'll have like a a microwave meal or, I'll have takeout. Uh, I'll usually snack on like fruit and I have protein bars and everything else. But but yeah, my main meals uh, are generally silent.
2: This might be a little bit more off topic than than video games, but like, how does that is that all good for your health and everything like?
3: Yeah, yeah, I I think it is. Um, at least I, I've I've going to I've gone to doctors get checkups and everything, and and like my my fitness, I'm still getting stronger. I'm still getting better in in Ninja Warrior and everything, and nothing's really been affected.
2: All right, well, all so, the power to you then.
3: I think I'm on I think I'm on the right track. <laughs> at least I like to think so.
2: And how about you, Len? Any sort of interesting lifestyle uh, adjustments you've made to sort of get the game done?
0: Um, well, when I started uh, I was working for one place and then, and then that place actually shut down. So I was unemployed for like the middle five years of this project, you know, and, uh, in those years, uh, I learned, I worked like eight hours a day on the game. Um, and, uh, I, 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 it took me about three years to create all the environments in the game. Um, plus there was a, a lot of environments that we didn't use because i i made every door accessible of course but we couldn't we couldn't fill every place with content so we had to like make a lot more locked doors
2: there's a lot of locked um, doors but, in that game and if you wanted to fill every door man that would be that's something
0: yeah i mean we just kind of like ran out of ideas you know and it just got like just too, you know you know it it, it kind of like outgrew what i could make for it basically um but like, you know, and, and that was kind of it. I kind of made this like my job for like five years. And, uh, and then um, about it was money tight in that five year period
2: then? Or was it a little difficult? Because five um, years is a long time.
0: No, I you know what it was is that I was taking on like little freelance jobs every once in a while. You know, like I, I would do graphics for, you know, other indie dev studios, you know, and like, oh, you need you need, uh, you know, tiles for this. Okay, no problem. Boom, 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 boom. You got gotcha. it. You know, give me, give me the cash. <laughs> hmm. uh, I even did, I even did like graphic design for like colleges and things like that. You know, because they needed, they wanted freelance people because they were just easy to pay and then have you go away. You know? Right. Um, and then um, uh, I, I'm also uh, half blind too. Like I, I have a visual impairment. So uh, I I also don't drive. So that also allows me to uh, get money from the government every month. So that, that also Mm. also is very helpful. Um, So, you know, money wasn't all that tight during those, during those five years. Uh, And then like when I got my job in 2019, by then, like things were kind of, things kind of slowed down on the project, at least as far as my involvement. Uh, But, from then on, I needed to really, like, test or really make sure things were wor- working good and feeling good in the game. But it didn't require me to be there, be on it, like, eight hours a day. It kind of went from, like, eight to five hours a day, you know. Okay. And, um, yeah, I don't have any weird, like, food pro- proclivities <laughs> or anything like that. So, you know, I, I like sushi. Um, you know, I like going out to eat a lot, you know. Um, that's that, that's kind of, like, my thing.
2: <laughs> I think a blind graphic artist is actually kind of, you know, a thing in itself. So that's something.
0: Yeah, yeah I've been called like a blind swordsman, you know, because like I do all this weird shit that like, you know, not a blind blind guy can do. So, you know, it it's kind of funny. <laughs>
2: it's that's pretty easy. awesome. Okay, so when I met you guys at Megfest, uh you told me a little bit about some of your publisher challenges. Can we talk about oh, some yeah. of that now?
0: Sure, yeah.
2: All right. So how did that go?
0: Uh, well, um, since the end of the f- second Kickstarter, uh, it was like a year or so after that, we met up with uh, people from Badland Publishing. And they basically kind of, you know, they, they, had a, they had a group of people who were really into the project and who helped uh, to all really kind of get like a marketing thing together. But the thing was, is that the game wasn't finished, you know, like they, they were thinking like, oh, you know, you're going to get this out like next year or two years. Right. And we were like, no, you know, we're still working on it. So like, just chill. And, and so they did, you know, and we, we showed iterations of the game with them at different cons, or, um, they would like advertise our thing as like, you know, check out this new up and coming game. They're developing it right now. And they, you know, they would kind of like put us out like every once in a while out in the. At, you know, out on the internet, you know, and, and that's how, like, we've kind of, like, existed for as long as we have, too, because people are like, yo, you know, like, that game is it's still being worked on, you know, um, so that, you know, they did help us in that regard, um, and, that, and that was at a time when the, the people in Bedlands, they were, like, really dedicated people, they were creative people, it, it, was, it wasn't like a, like a pro-corporate thing like it, like it was when we, when we decided to kind of ditch them. <laughs> and uh, so what happened was they, they were like, you know, really interested. But then like all these people that we were working with, they kind of left. They all left. And we got like handed down to these people who were just like, you know, we just want the money from it and who cares about anything else, you know. But they also weren't like really helping us out anymore either. They weren't like, you know, giving, canonical any advice on any like marketing things. They weren't like setting up uh, anything like, it, you know, to get anything ready for localization or whatever we wanted to do with that. Um, they weren't, they weren't doing a lot of stuff that we really wanted. So, you know, um, a couple of years ago, we ended up dumping them and decided to just do this thing ourselves. Uh, because we, uh, we kind of already have a presence out there, you know what I mean? People already know that this game had already existed. So it, it didn't feel that bad, you know? It didn't feel, you know... I, I mean, there would have been, like, other things that we would have gotten from a publisher, like uh, porting stuff, ESRB stuff, um, you know, dev kits, w- which we got from Badlands, but that that... That didn't really go anywhere at the time because we were still developing you know we were you know i still had dev kits in my loft you know so um but you know and and, and that's just really how that rolls and not only that but also badlands was also getting like a bad repu- uh, reputation with other devs um axiom verge they were trying to like screw over the guy who uh put that together and then there oh, was a really? big kerfuffle with the company and them and uh, I think Axiom Verge ended up going with, um, uh, get the name of the company, but they went with another company who, uh, who they also put out like CrossCode and a bunch of other things. I, I forget the name of the company, but they were like another publisher that we really wanted to be with. And, and, and uh, so we, we, didn't, we, couldn't get, we couldn't get their attention, unfortunately um but yeah you know and badlands just kind of seemed like you know as time went on just a worse and worse fit and and so we just decided to just do it on our own you know that's kind of how things roll I I, you know and I don't know if that's because like it took so long in development or it's that you know their their structure changed internally in their company I don't know what happened
2: yeah it sounds like something changed all those people left
0: yeah, and it just felt like there wasn't like a passion for our project anymore, like there used to be. And, and that for me was kind of like, you know, the ending point, like, you know, not only are these guys like not responding back to our emails or anything, but they just don't care. They just don't care about the project like they used to, you know, it's like, yeah, it's like bad. a bad marriage, you know, yeah. <laughs> or a bad relationship, you know. <laughs>
2: So you also mentioned a megfest that you were maybe looking at other publishers. Did it, that 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 anything worth that like come to fruition or?
0: Well, if it if it did, we would have been under a publisher before we launched. Um, Fair but enough. you know that that didn't that did that didn't really happen. You know, but uh, you know there is still more. There is still some interest. We we do have like a, a company or two who have reached out to me and can all about. Um, you know, they, they there was one company, I'm not going to mention their name, but I will say that they wanted us to delay putting it on Steam so that uh, they could help us get more wishlisters and all that. But uh, something personal for, you know, my partner Kunal is that he's having twins in, in like in mid-March. So he was like, I don't know how, like, dedicated I'm going to be to getting this thing out there after a certain amount of time and working with a new publisher So let's just put this thing out there, you know, and then the publisher that we were talking to wanted us to delay. They were kind of like, you know, well, you know what, you can put it out and maybe we'll work with you in like porting it to consoles. So, so there's still like an opportunity there, I think. Um, Yeah. (laughs) That's really just kind of like how it's been like pretty much in the last like year, (laughs) you know, with, uh, yeah, um, with publishing support. Publishers like
2: are challenging.
0: Yeah,
2: uh, I, I I probably previous to Kids of Carandale, my old game was Burgle's Bounty. It was a puzzle game. I think I talked to like twenty different publishers. I got a yeah. little bit of reception, but overall, they just kind of a lot of them were pretty flaky. So it was kind of kind of hard to move that forward. But I, in hindsight, that game probably wasn't the right game anyway um but and there was that's...
0: also other publishers who who were kind of like well it's either 50, 50 or nothing you know and it was oh, like geez. well wait a second dude you know like they were just like very much like no you know you got to take this deal or take it or leave it kind of thing you know and it was yeah that's, a, that's like a leave that a deal. Either, you know? <laughs> yeah yeah
2: <laughs> so let's talk about the launch then um how did you guys do it like uh you mentioned the publisher trying to, wanting to get you wanting to get you to be at a better place in terms of wish lists, but how were you looking at launch in terms of what you had on Steam, and did you launch on itch and GOG or GOG?
0: We didn't launch on any of those except for Steam so far. Okay. Uh, the reason it, the reason is is because we, we we already had a early access on Steam uh, for since June of 2019 when we were still under our publisher. Um, and the early access was an idea of me, Kenall, and the, the people that we were working with at the publisher. And we were kind of like, what can we do to build more hype about this game, even if it's still in development, you know? And I think that was our last, like, stab at trying to, like, get more, uh, get more eyeballs on the game, really, you know, without so, spending a lot of marketing dollars. Is early so access any better a than a demo, though? Yeah, it's, it's, you, well, with the demo, it's usually free, right? Right. Uh, This early access was not free. We put it up for, like, half the price of what it is now, and, um, you know, and then people were buying basically half the game. They can play half the game uh, and and spend half as much as they would on the full game, but then, like, if they uh, bought it, that would also give them access to the full game later, right? um, which you know, which people were happy to, like, buy the early access, play it, and then, like, wait, and then, like, you know, when we put it out last week or <laughs> on the 8th, um, it, it was, uh it, you know, it, people were like, oh, man, that's awesome that you guys are, like, giving it to us for free since we already bought the early access. I mean, I, I feel like that's, like, only fair, right? If, if you're to stick with, like, a game for that long, I feel like we should kind of reward them for, for being cool, you know? yeah. <laughs> A
2: lot of developers or a lot of players wouldn't go back and play the rest of the game once it was available because they would moved on to something else too. Which yeah, is that, that's fortunate. probably
0: true, but uh, there was a lot of stuff that we did since the early access, so it almost feels like a brand new game.
2: Right. So how many wish lists did you have when you launched, if I may ask? Or how many even how, how many uh, early access sales did you have, if if you're willing to share?
0: Um, I think we had around 700 early access sales. And then when we launched, we had around uh, 11,000 wishlisters, probably a little, a little less than 11,000. It's probably like 10,800 something. Yeah. But that was, that was basically accumulating wishlists over Over the years years. that we had. Well, no, not uh, not 12 years, because we only put up the early access in 2019, so it was really for the last five years. Okay. That, yeah, that we've been accumulating wishlisters, but yeah. And, and also, we, we you know, also in those five years, I had kind of, um, I, I wanted to be more involved in like the Twitch community. But I, I really thought that, you know, if I could befriend some streamers, maybe I can actually keep the hype alive for the game you know right and i i did that too and that, that turned out to be pretty cool because like we were able to like you know get twitch streamers to pl- you know either plug the game before it came out or plug the early access or at least wishlist the game you know so we were slowly accumulating oh excuse me uh wishlisters through that um you know o- over time I mean, usually, like um, Steam, kind of recommends that you have ten thousand wish listers. Like that's right. the that's the that's the least that you should have before you launch a game. <laughs> and, and we literally, you know, got beyond that uh, a week before we launched.
2: We got some work to do, Gary. <laughs> yeah, that's
0: a lot of work. Yeah, it is a lot of work. Yeah, I mean, especially like for an RPG. But like, even like. Any game, really, uh, you know, to get the hype out there enough, that, that's, that takes a lot, of, a lot of multi-pronged things to do. Like, we were doing cons even before we released the game. We would just go out there with a demo and be like, hey, play our game, you know, and, you know, and, you know follow us or whatever on social media. You know, we, this was before mm-hmm. we even had a Steam page up. And, uh, and then, like, people would also do, like, articles about us. You know, they like, we had a uh, PC gamer, we had a uh, RPG fan. Oh, wow. Uh, those, we are big, also, those are we also, big sites. Yeah. Yeah. And they would just pick us up because we were at these different cons and, you know, we were at PAX a few times and, you know, and that, that also really helped us out, stay out there in the ether too. Um, but all that is like multi, multi-pronged approaches. You know, you do the, you do the social media, you do the Twitch stuff. You, you know, you might leak a little bit of a demo on Steam for people to check out. Um, in, in hindsight, I actually kind of wish we didn't do the early access and just put out the full game. Because, like, the, 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 you know, the hype would have been built up more rather than saying, you know, rather than blowing the hype uh, on a demo or an early access. You know what I mean? And maybe cutting our fan base down. I feel like that's probably what happened. You know, people got a taste of the game. Before like they could even buy it, really, and it kind of like maybe you know soured it a little bit, but it, it at least kept it out there in you know the internet for people to like you know, oh man, this game looks freaking awesome, you know, I'm gonna wait until it comes out, and you know, and I attribute a lot of the wish listers uh, we got to that hype, you know, but uh, yeah, I mean, if you're looking to put out a game you know you got to do the multi-pronged approach thing you know and you probably got to spend a lot of your own money doing it you know i know me and Canal definitely did and hey leo too man (laughs) you know he's been definitely contributing you know uh even on top of like even on even on top of like the kickstarter money that we had we still have to put in a lot of our own yeah i
2: I can believe it that's some good advice so what has the reception been like since launch it's been two weeks how how things been going?
0: Um, well, you know, it, it, it's funny because I I get a little frustrated uh, by like people's reactions because it's like, oh man, you have a great game. I love this. I love that about it. Oh, you know. But you have a lot of bugs, so I'm gonna give it a bad review. <laughs> and that that like bothers the crap out of me. I I know Leo has thoughts on this too. So. <laughs>
3: uh yeah i mean that hasn't been too many bad reviews that's a majority positive reviews for sure um so that's been good to see um but yeah it it is a little i mean we we tested the hell out of this game so as much as we could with just internal Mm -hmm. testing we thought that it was as stable as possible because len was playing the game pretty much every day like hats off to len honestly i don't know how many times i don't think i could play the game that many times (laughs) as much as len has done um just like yeah Continuously from the beginning, playing through the game, and then letting me know any bugs that happened, and I would fix them. And he would play the game again, and uh, and yeah, we made it as stable as possible. But yeah, apparently, uh, you know, when launch actually happened, people, of course, you know, outside of internal, because we know the game as much as we, uh, you know, because we're the devs, obviously, people are gonna do things that we have no idea, and they're gonna do things in different timings. They're gonna do things in different orders and uh not quite a few but like a decent amount enough of things have still come up enough to be noticeable and so yes yeah, so most most of the people have been okay with those things and they'll still give a good review and and they've joined our discord and like they're fans now and like it's been a great reception in terms of like people joining the discord people chatting pretty much every day seeing that we're working on the game every day talking with me and like hyping me up giving me props of like or like the emotional support that I need because like I'm putting in late hours like they'll they'll be chatting with me pretty late throughout the night too oh wow Um, but yeah it's a there have been a a couple negative reviews of like you go the this thing doesn't work this thing is like pretty buggy and so it's the game is great the music's great I love the art style but there's bugs in it and so it's a negative review. And it's like, man, like we're Again, indie devs. Like we're, we're working on this thing, like on our sides. And, and like these people don't know that either. So obviously like they don't, you know, they're so far removed, but like yeah. to us, it's just like, come on. Like we, we, we wish people saw that w- what we were doing. And so in our attempt to sort of uh, combat that is like, I've been responding to those comments. Len has been, and Kunal has been responding to those comments, like saying like, Hey, we really appreciate you playing our game. Thanks for the feedback. Thanks for reporting all these bugs. Come join our Discord. Like we have a channel in there, Bugs and Feedback. So you can let us know what's happening. You can send us our log files and we'll get this done uh, you know, as quickly as possible. So you guys can have a good experience. And there there actually have been a, a, quite a few people that have joined the Discord because of that message and have flipped their review from a negative to a positive because oh, that's nice. We've we've fixed the bug that they're looking at or actually one guy in particular uh, the, the the issue he's been encountering uh, which is my my latest thing that I've been working on which has kind of taken a, a few days so like I have been putting out updates every day like I've I have been since the beginning uh, he flipped his from a negative to a positive just because he said that the devs have been really receptive to you know the bugs and, and they're chatting and they're really working on it so you know we're gonna give this um, I'm gonna give this a positive review so that's been that's been really cool
0: to uh, also add to uh you know to give you guys some more uh, perception on like the testing process like i pretty much played the game the full game all the way through uh once a week for probably the last three years and uh during that time uh you know I, i would just keep polishing things that i thought that needed to be polished or fix things that were broken uh, we also had uh, two rounds of QA testers. Like, we hired our own QA team. Uh, I forget the name of the company, but they, they were super helpful, the, the last people that we had. And uh, they, they were really good. And, they, you know, they, they were very thorough in giving us, uh, you know, step by step things and all that. Um, we also had a, a, a small round that was farmed out by uh, our old publisher and that didn't really get us all that much i mean there, there was a lot of like aesthetic stuff that they were pointing out which it's not a bug you know it's like your opinion man <laughs> so, well, uh, yeah, so yeah so <laughs> yeah and,
2: and
0: and not only that but like you, you know uh the QA process i would think for any rpg is monumental like huge right it's not like you're 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 making something that's like a chess game or a, a Mario game or anything like that. It, you actually have to think through everything a player is, how they're going to react, what they're going to do. You know, if they're going to hug walls a certain way if they're going to do this or do that. So you really got to test for every single little edge case. Um, as as we possible basically too, impossible. You know, like, Yeah well it, it it's a it's a lot I mean we have Monumental almost ten th- we have almost ten thousand issues that we've fixed uh, holy crap probably, wow. it, yeah probably in the last eight years yeah
2: <clears throat> you tracking that on like a jira or uh trello or something or
0: we're tracking that on a google doc oh wow <laughs> yeah it, it's like a spreadsheet for Google doc, yeah,
2: yeah wow um is there anything you would have done differently
0: i don't know (laughs) you know the thing was is that now that i have like a lot of knowledge about this whole process i probably would have like maybe have tried to uh not really do the early access like i had said earlier um and instead just like, you know, build up the hype, build up the hype, build up the hype as much as possible and then put out the full game, you know? Um, that's probably one thing. Uh, another thing that I'm kind of in it on is crowdfunding. I mean, as good as that was and as much money as that brought us, it was like, but now we're like obligated to people who gave me, gave me their money, you know? And it's like. Did that bring know, a lot of like money.
2: audience and fans What's or two that? or that bring a lot of uh people who ended up buying the game like what sort of audience does uh, that bring
0: it, it sort of does like but like you you when people give money to you for the game that you want to build you are trading an obligation though for that money right you know? you, you a you need to get the game out obviously but then there's uh, other like gift tiers that they want like You know, we have to get like a couple hundred t-shirts made, you know, so the money, so money needs to go to that or, you know, certain things that we need to fulfill uh, to keep these people happy and, you know, so they won't, you know, want a refund or anything. Yeah, right. It takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of resources. Uh, There's a lot of... um, it's a lot of uh, different situations for different people and especially over like a a project that's lasted this long. I mean, people grow out of playing video games. I mean, it's been 10 years, right? So if somebody, you know, uh, gave us $20 back in 2015 and they were 32, they're now 42, right? So they, they might have a family, they might have a big job and they don't have time for video games anymore, you know? And then, and then they might change their email address. So you got to kind of like, stock them to see if they're, you know, see, see what their new email address is so you can send them a new code. There's a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, there's also a lot of complaints. Like also when we started, we wanted to do like VD, Vita and 3DS. But, you know. 12 years ago though. <laughs> now, you know? Yeah, right. And we can't, just can't do that now. So we had to be like, okay, well, instead of the Vita and instead of the Switch, we're doing, uh, or instead of um, uh, 3ds and, and uh, uh, the yeah <laughs> the other the other one that I mentioned um, you know you actually have to you know kind of give them a, another uh, platform to to jump to basically you know what okay. I mean so it, it, if you're not going to have Vita then it's going to be the Switch or if it's not going to be a 3ds well uh, we're we're going to put out a Steam version do you think you want that you know and so you kind of have to kind of you know build it up with them plus uh, you know some people will ask you know oh uh, you know can you change my platform to this or this or this you know and that'll happen that that has happened over the years you know i mean ever since we we ended the kickstarter people were like oh can we change our platform like yeah dude what do you want to change it to you know and, and that's happened a lot with people um we've also had people just like totally just you know, slam us for just, you know, uh, not having the game out by the time that we said that we were going to have the game out. Because we started started the Kickstarter in 2015, and we were thinking we would be done with the game by 2017, 2018. (laughs) No, that that totally did not happen. And so, like, people get angry, you know, people get impatient. There's a lot of impatience, you know, because they're like, well, I spent $20 back in 2015 And I expected it to be out in 2018, you know, where's my $20 going and blah, 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 you know. So, you know, while it kind of, like, helps hike the game, it also kind of tethers you to an obligation to these people that, you know, that you wouldn't normally have if you just kind of, you know, got an investor involved or something like that, you know.
2: Right. Um, So are you guys still planning on doing console? versions of this game eventually.
0: Uh go
1: ahead, Leo.
3: Yeah, yeah. So uh well I, I also want to mention uh, things to do differently, but I'll, I'll come back to oh, that. Sure. Uh, yeah. But yeah, consoles, that's probably gonna be a me thing. Uh unless we get a publisher to help us out with that. It's it's gonna be me trying to find a way to get one of the dev kits uh, and then porting it um you know on my end. Um yeah working through any code issues, any graphical issues. Uh, I released uh, another game a few years ago now that that's on Switch and Xbox and and PlayStation, or at least it's coming on PlayStation soon. Um, but yeah, there've been a couple of graphical issues and and coding issues that like I now am slightly prepared for. Um, so I kind of know a little bit what I'm doing. Um, but yeah, that'll be kind of my own project that I'm gonna do uh, after at least after the game's like pretty stable and there aren't like too many if if any bugs coming in. Um, yeah, so porting's definitely in the roadmap, um, but yeah, that'll come once uh, once everything is stable. Um, but in terms of things to do differently, I, I I also have like a lot of my own thoughts too. I mean, besides, of course, we you know, we all pretty much agree of like, yeah, early access pretty, was probably a bad idea. Um, but from a technical aspect, there's a lot of things that like I did from the beginning of just like, what's the first thing that I, you know, my first idea of an implementation, how do I get this system to work? Like, okay, now it's done. Move on to the next system. Like I finished that. And then it's like, oh shit, like these two systems don't really work out all that well together. Now I have to figure that out. Okay. Now I'm gonna do a third system. Like, oh shit. Like now that doesn't work all together. And so there's probably a lot of design, design work that I, I would have done a lot differently. We would have scoped out a lot more of the features throughout the entire game rather than going through chapter by chapter and as new things come in, then going on and implementing the feature. And then, oh no, now we have to figure out like how does that work with everything else? Um, And there've been kind of a few things from, well, I mean, also because I came into the project a little later. So like Len and everyone else had the process of like, how do you do environments? How do you cut out all of the sprites and put them into into the actual 3D world? Um, There's, probably a lot more work that I would have been wanting to be more involved in on the art side so that we can sort of tackle a particular problem together. And, you know, there there's a lot of situations where like the art had a particular way of doing things, but now with me, with getting it to work in code, like now I have to jump through some extra hoops to get it to work. And so, yeah, if, probably from the beginning, if we would have designed it all out and kind of worked a little bit better together, uh, to get it actually fleshed out properly and like t- all the tooling properly, so we wouldn't have to do so many things by hand. There's, there's I think so that's many really things.
2: hard though to sort of when you're especially with a 12 year project. Yeah, uh, to know everything that's gonna happen, and you always have to sort of rationalize: Should I build a tool for this? Is the time going the time that I have to sink into building that tool going to actually save me enough time for maybe doing it just the way I've been doing it already? it's a lot of things you have to consider with that. But if you actually are getting help though, then then the tools are um, definitely useful.
3: Yeah, you know, that is a good point. I mean, and maybe all this is is hindsight only. Um, and like, maybe it took those iterations to figure out where we needed to end up. Um, I, I would probably attribute that to like the, the the cinematic sequence editor and the story plot editor. I don't think I would have gotten there the first iteration even if I would have thought of, you know, designed it out completely. I don't think there's any way I would have because the systems that they are now are extremely robust and it took some of those issues and design issues to figure out so so yeah that's probably right also it's probably a little bit of a balance of like trial and error but also like still at least trying to get things to to figure out how they work together from the beginning. Um, You know
0: one of the one of the big things that I think that Leo has made was the c- cinematic sequence editor because it actually opened it up to the rest of the team to be able to edit things where instead of just him coding the world and, us, right. and us giving him feedback, you know, it, it, it allowed us to kind of get in there and also tinker with it and make it good, you know, and fix things and fix bugs and, you know, get Leo to fix things or add features that we needed or, you know what I mean? It it, it kind of allowed us to also be programmers in a way, you know, right. or also be implementing. Because I'm not a programmer at all. I actually didn't know anything about Unity, nothing. Uh, but then, you know, um, a, as our team started getting used to using the cinematic sequence editor, I was like, you know, I, I should give this a turn too, you know. And then, and once I got involved, then it kind of was like. Ah oh, this is awesome you know like we can we can pretty much like do whatever we want here uh as long as the code works and it isn't buggy you know <laughs> yeah
2: right
3: yeah and 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 it's actually like uh, this is something i'm like super proud of because it's it's so robust and there's like so many different ways to do things len and the other implementation guys sometimes they'll do something that like i had no intention for and they they'll show me and i'm like oh my god like that's a really cool way to like organize these nodes and put them in a certain order to make this interesting effect that I didn't even intend on it doing. And they'll like come up with their own ways of doing things. And it's like, oh my God, that's awesome.
2: <laughs> nice. Yeah. So guys, I want to actually just do a quick time check here. We are at the hour mark. Uh, I don't know if you guys want to keep going a little bit longer. Uh, if, if if that's okay, we can. Otherwise, we can wrap it up here.
0: Um, I- uh, If you guys got any questions, I- I'm good. But Go yeah, ahead. Well, it's the only thing the that I market.
2: want to say is this has been, like, hearing your experience has been pretty incredible, and it's been a little bit of an eye-opener for me. Uh, I, I think as I'm working on Kids of Carandau, hearing your story, I'm, I, I think there's a little bit of a sense of dread sort of with me realizing some of the stuff that I'm going to have to take care of to uh, to get this game to a place where it, um, it needs to be. Um, it's always good hearing uh-huh. experience from other developers.
1: Yeah, I guess a, it's, a, it's a lot of dread on you, Blair. You can get through all, the whole, you, you know, the
0: whole let, let me also say this. Let me also say this too, guys, is that I think if I would have known from the beginning of the conversations that I was having with Canal at the time, I would not have made an RPG as my first game. It would have been my, my second game or my <laughs> third game with, with them. You know what I mean? Because starting in an RPG as like a know-nothing de- dev, it, the work and, and the scale is so monumental. Like you have no idea, you know what you're getting into. And then, like a couple of years in, you're like, "Wow, wait a second. Yeah, and this is going to be thing gigantic." Is, we did you know?
2: know we were getting ourselves into, but I think and there was so a bit of a cognitive dissonance <laughs> and, and sort of and denial uh, as well, <laughs>
0: as, and, as our most uh, heavy endeavors, I guess. Right?
1: Yeah. It's been a hell of a ride so far, Blair. It has been. Uh,
2: I would love to have you guys back on in a few months when when, uh, when things calm down with the, sort of the post-release uh, uh, bug fixes and stuff. And as you start to work on the porting, uh, I would love to have you guys back if, if you're interested, because this has been great. This conversation has been just really great listening to and hearing your experience.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, this has been fun. Yeah, Yeah, I would love to come back on.
2: All right. Well, Leo, enjoy your ninja warrior uh, stuff this afternoon.
3: Thank you, appreciate it. And
2: uh, Len, thanks for joining. And both of you, thanks for joining. Thank you and, very much. Uh, we'll uh, we'll talk to you guys soon.
3: Absolutely. Cool. 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 Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you.